For the Athletic Podcast Network, this is The Update. I'm Adam Copeland. On today's show, we'll talk to Brian Peacock of the Peacock and Williamson NFL Show, as well as the Locked On 49er Podcast, about the newest large contract on the 49ers roster. He was already in-house. It's former third-round pick. Fred Warner signed a $95 million contract with $40 million guaranteed, making him, at least for the time being, the highest-paid linebacker in the NFL. The 49ers have a couple of big contracts on the roster right now. George Kittle, of course, got his. Jimmy Garoppolo got one when he showed up, which definitely begs the question, what happens with a contract like Jimmy Garoppolo? after the 2021 season. All things we can talk about with Brian Peacock, who joins me next. Today is Friday, July 23rd. It is my pleasure to welcome back to the podcast. I haven't talked to you since draft day. It is Brian Peacock of the Peacock and Williamson NFL show, as well as the Locked On 49er podcast with Eric Crocker. What is going on, Peacock? How are you, man? Copes, I'm doing well. It's great talking to you again, man. Yeah, man, it's good to catch up, and, and we'll have to do it throughout the season. I know you get so much going on when the NFL gets going. Uh, absolutely, yeah. Ten podcasts a week, but I've always got time for you. So uh, whenever you need you or uh, producer prime time, give me a holler. I'm always ready. <laughs> yeah, all right. We, we will do that, man. So you start to get that feel, right? Middle of July or late July, we start ramping it up. We got some big 49er news this week with uh, with Fred Warner. But how are you feeling as, as we inch closer and closer? We got the rookie camps out of the way. We started to see little videos of Trey Lance throwing footballs. We're getting Trey Sermon news. I'm starting to get excited, man. This is the part of the year where it starts to ramp up for me, and, and I start thinking about my fantasy draft. I start thinking about how I'm going to manage my Sundays on the couch or off the couch at a sports bar, maybe. Uh, how you feeling as we get closer to the start? of the season the overwhelming feeling this week on the podcast and now with the news of the trey sermon signing and there's still trey lance to go finish up those uh, draft pick signings before the start of camp here the last week leading up and then the big fred warner news the vibe is just like we made it we made it through another offseason and now there's going to be football every week all the way into february so that's awesome and, and that training camp starts next week and it's going to be so much fun to see the guys out there on the field and get reports of everybody it's going to be a wild offseason, too, because this is such a transitional year for the 49ers. So there's going to be reports on every single pass and such scrutiny, not only locally, but naturally with this story of Jimmy Garoppolo and Trey Lance. So we'll see how everybody comes through it. Make sure everybody can handle the pressure, including, you know, John Lynch and Kyle Shanahan, because that's what everybody's going to want to know about is that quarterback competition. So that's going to be super interesting when camp rolls around and see how the 49ers come out the other side. You said something there that's really interesting. It's a year of transition. However, it's a year of high expectation. Like, I think a lot of people look at last year and say, if they were healthy and if you don't have the pandemic season, but primarily if you're healthy, this is a team that may have been able to go to the postseason last year. Of course, they went to the Super Bowl and and barely lose the Super Bowl a couple of years ago. So in a year of transition, paired with a year of expectation, the management and the pressure that you're talking about from the front office, from the coaching staff, a new defensive core You've got big contracts that you've handed out. Maybe a couple more you're going to have to hand out to a guy like Nick Bosa. How do you measure success this year? Is it having a good season from Trey Lance when you decide to make that transitional jump to a new quarterback? Is it getting into the postseason? Is it making a run at the Super Bowl? Because from my stance as a 49er fan, it's that unless you are into that divisional round, into the NFC Championship, based on what we saw a couple of years ago, this would be a, a failure of a season. You're right. Expectations are so high and in a lot of ways they're lined up to have a really good season. Plus you have a rookie quarterback and on paper, it just looks like a really rosy picture. But at the same time, I think it's a really narrow needle that they have to thread here while you're developing that high draft pick, that number three overall pick that you spent so much to go up and get. So there's a lot of pressure there to get that pick right and develop him properly. But you already have a quarterback that you know you can win with and a team with Super Bowl expectations. And we saw how 
in the NFL, how things can fall off quickly and how narrow that is to try to be a Super Bowl team. And the 49ers tried to run it back after 2019. And it's not that easy all the time. So high expectations, a really good roster. But as we know, things can go a lot of different directions. So uh, it's going to be just such a fascinating season to watch and see it all unfold in the preseason as well with the young quarterback. I mean, there's just no shortage of storylines for this 2021 San Francisco 49ers team. I think in our lifetime, like when guys have signed big contracts in basically any sport, like I think to when Barry Bonds in 1993 signs with the Giants, it's a record-setting deal. Then in 2000 or 2001, Alex Rodriguez got that huge $250 million 10-year contract with the Rangers, and we were all just blown away by it. It seems like now every offseason in the NFL, every player that signs is now either the richest by contract status or the richest by, here's my favorite term in football, AAV, average annual value of contract. <laughs> Fred Warner signs a contract, $95 million. They're like, oh, man, $40 million guaranteed. He is the highest-paid linebacker in the NFL, except Darius Leonard's going to get a bigger contract in like two and a half weeks, right? Like It's not going to last for that long. So what did you think of the deal? I, th- I think it's something that had to get done, and I think 49er fans probably glad Fred Warner's going to be back. But what did you make of the news the other day, man? Just to your point there, it really brought back memories. I remember my dad brought a fax home from work when I think it was Jose Canseco signed some huge deal in like 1990 or something like that. And that was the first time I really ever thought about contracts or anything like that. And this fax was like a sort of a joke fax. It was making, you know, it's like a, the 1990 version of an internet meme, basically, where this fax <laughs> was, was getting sent around to all kinds of people. And it was like, this is how many homes that he can buy. This is how many hamburgers Jose Canseco can buy with his contract. And if you looked at it now, people would laugh at, at how much money that is compared to what professional athletes are making you know but people were freaking out about it and it's going to continue and i'm sure into the future we're going to see those 50 million dollar a year contracts be thrown around and and people are going to continue to freak out about them and you know it's like my dad buying a house for one hundred fifty thousand dollars, and now i'm like hey dad half a million to get into something in california so uh it's just wild times no but that's a great point and it just continues and, and at this point if you're an agent you're like oh you want i have a free agent okay was going to be the highest something per year Total dollars, guaranteed money, some kind of highest ever because that's just, you know, it, it, they're, they're clout chasing in a, in a certain degree. So, yeah. But anyways, when it comes to Fred Warner, he's the best linebacker in the NFL, so he has to get paid like it. So if you want to keep him, that's what's going to be the price. And you look at the top deals, and there's really three that stand out. And, and Bobby Wagner was the big one that they had to go over the top of it. Now $19 million a year for Fred Warner. But the C.J. Mosley contract really skewed linebacker contracts a couple of years ago by the Jets because I think they had to overpay to get him there. So that $17 million was much bigger than everybody else. And so just set a new market. And it's a lot of cash to throw to a linebacker, which traditionally haven't been the highest paid positions in the NFL. But, I mean, Fred Warner is about the safest bet to throw a bunch of money down on just because of how good he is. And the perfect modern-day linebacker, he's so smart. He started every game of his career, starting with game one of his rookie year with the green dot on his helmet, calling in plays from the sideline that middle linebacker with veterans around him on that defense, his play in the passing game, which is huge in today's NFL because there's so much positionless football, so much stress is put on safeties and linebackers in the NFL and and slot receivers. And Fred Warner can cover those guys. He can cover backs. He can cover tight ends. He can cover those wide receivers coming across the field on crossing routes. So super valuable player and really one of the safest bets in the NFL to pay a lot of money to. And 49ers fans can rest easy now. Another record-setting contract for another mid-round pick like George Kittle last year. And uh, that's really been the meat and potatoes of the 49ers team after missing on some early first-rounders.
you know, from the football player standpoint, it's great to be a first-round draft pick. It's great to be a high selection. You get paid more in your first year, but then you're locked up for a number of years. You're almost better off ending up as a guy like an Alvin Kamara or a Fred Warner going in the third round. You get an opportunity to sign a big contract sooner than a guy like Derrick Henry, who gets a, a big contract over the last couple of years. But what do he sign, like a four-year, $50 million deal? And that's all he's going to get, and it took him this many years to get that deal, whereas Fred Warner now, he may end up signing another contract beyond this one. And I know this is going to be the big money one, but it does feel like maybe the linebacker position is sort of revitalized by a guy like Fred Warner. We sort of transitioned, I think, in the last eight to ten years to where you've got these hybrids, the the Alden Smiths, your Khalil Max, these guys who can come off of the edge that will play on the line, but will also drop back into a little bit of coverage. And I think that, you know, thinking back to the linebackers of, of my childhood, they're Teddy Bruskies, your Ray Lewis's, your Brian Erlacher's, obviously Joey Porter is one that comes to mind. Zach Thomas with the Dolphins, one that comes to mind. Is Fred Warner, you think kind of, and we heard this a lot from the opposition last year against the 49ers, has he sort of revitalized or rejuvenated this linebacker position, you think? I think it's just the modern day NFL, and I think we're going to see that. And we already saw it actually with tight ends and, you know, Kelsey and and Kittle being paid at a level that we're just seeing more positions have more value because of what they can do, run and pass. And I think Fred Warner is that at linebacker. We're going to start to see more safeties getting paid more because of what they can do and how well they can cover. And so uh, basically when you're a defensive coordinator now, you look at the offense and what they can do and and how often teams throw now on first downs. It's like, well, we got to stop the run, true, but the true money is going to go to the players who can do that but also help us on third downs and also help us when they're throwing the ball on first downs. And so we've got to play pass to run now. And so if you can do both, we're going to see those players on defense just get paid more and more because the offense dictates what goes on. You know, you can have some cheap players on offense and I think it was Bill Walsh that really the first time I ever heard someone talk about how, look, the offense gets to decide where the ball goes. So I can throw some band-aids on it with my play calling on the offensive side of the ball, but the defense has to be pretty good everywhere. So we're going to see more and more money, I think, being thrown at defenders who can cover because offenses are just so good at attacking every inch of the field now. I was hearing you say that. I was like, man, that's a that's a pretty astute way of looking at it. Then I thought, well, yeah, it's Bill Walsh. The dude like invented the West Coast offense. So makes sense that he would be dialed into that stuff. It's like you see some of these quotes uh, from these all-time legendary coaches. Uh, John Wooden, you're like, yeah, man, that guy was like the best of all time. So uh, it makes sense. Uh, hey, I was, I was like doing some predictions with people at work the other day, and we were thinking about, you know, where could the 49ers finish? It's always fun to, to run through the schedule. And obviously the Rams are, are a new-look offense now this year. And they lost their starting running back in Cam Akers. Uh, to an Achilles injury. They obviously bring in Matt Stafford. That offense is going to look different this year. So the NFC West is going to be a little bit more difficult, I think, at 49ers maybe playing a lighter schedule based on where they finished last season. But how are you looking at the 17-game schedule? This is what I wanted to get to. This threw me off trying to make my picks. I was like, yeah, maybe, I don't know, 11-5, and 10-6. And, and everyone's like, well, what are you doing with that other game? What about Week 17? So how, how are you feeling about the uh, the 17-game regular season, Brian? Yeah, you can't hedge anymore and say, oh, that's a 500 team, 8-8. Eight eight. you got to pick one. you got to say, okay, is it going to be 8 wins or 9 wins? Are they above 500? Are they below 500? The NFC West is still difficult. And for the 49ers, they have a really good team and Super Bowl aspirations. But when you look at the quarterbacks in the division, the 49ers have probably the fourth best starting quarterback to start the year in Jimmy G. And you wouldn't expect, even if Trey Lance gets to the level where the 49ers expect him to get to, you probably can't expect him to be there in week one and maybe not even in year one. So the 49ers do have some really tough competition in the NFC West, some good coaches and uh, just some really good teams. And and the Rams seem to be in a position to be even stronger than they had been with Jared Goff. So we'll see how that goes for them. But I think Vegas has the Niners at about 10 wins. I think that's a pretty good place to be. Uh, I might say 10 and a half 
but you don't get halves when you're really projecting, you know, a team. But I think they can be an 11-win team in a 17-game schedule. But it's going to be a dogfight every single week. One thing that helps the Niners, despite the tough division games, all the non-division games are pretty easy. They have one of the easiest schedules in the NFL. So I think that really helps them. I think getting back healthy, obviously, will be the hugest key for the 49ers this year. So we see a team that's closer to what we saw in 2019 rather than 2020. And I think I asked you this one before. How many interceptions from Jimmy G before uh, before people start calling for his head? <laughs> Can you imagine? <laughs> so the 2019 training camp, he threw five interceptions in five straight plays in practice. Can you imagine if he did that this preseason and in a training camp practice this year in front of reporters? I mean, I mean that would just be a massive bomb on the 49ers media department, basically. And uh, but they went on to go to a Super Bowl with Jimmy G that same year where he threw five interceptions in a row. But that's the thing, man. I mean, Jimmy G has to be really good. And I think maybe a little extra trip on his shoulder now will help him be that. And just another year with Kyle Shanahan, I think he can be the best version of Jimmy Garoppolo. Trey Lance is so talented. Getting his legs on the field, will Kyle Shanahan want to put both of those quarterbacks in together? I have a feeling that we might see Lance more as not a starting quarterback, but on the field at least this year, at least the first part of this year. But if Jimmy falters, do you go to the rookie? Maybe he's not ready. So, so many questions with the quarterback thing. And I just, I just cannot wait for the play-by-play and the statistics from every single training camp practice. Yeah, the statistics from training camp practice, those always carry a lot of weight as far as how a team's going to do. It's so funny. Remember that back in, in New England, they were calling Jimmy the Italian Osweiler after the five practice interceptions? And really what, what we didn't take into account was just how damn good that defense was. Like, did it in on Jimmy. They're doing this to everybody. They're destroying opposing quarterbacks. So, yeah, all stuff we can keep in mind throughout training camp, man. And by the way, on the way out here, Peacock, I just checked for you. 1990, you nailed the year. Jose Canseco signed a five-year $23.5 million contract with the Oakland A's. In today's world, that'd be about $50 million, $45, $50 million, somewhere in there. So I don't know how many cheeseburgers or, or a, tanks of gas that got him in 1990, but you're right about the, the facts. Definitely an old-school type of meme thing, dude. Oh, absolutely, yeah. And like a, a left-handed one-out reliever would be like, yeah, that's not a very good contract <laughs> to be right now. Can you do like a, a two-year $30 million deal for me. I mean, that's pretty amazing. I thought the numbers were going to be even bigger than that. Oh, that blows me away. 1990, though, I, I got it. Okay. Pretty good deal. Pretty good deal for Jose Canseco. All right, Brian, great talking to you, man. We'll catch up with you uh, down the road, and, and we'll check in uh, when the season gets going, too. And uh, once Jimmy throws his first practice interception, you'll be my guy to call, dude. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I can't wait for it. So uh, hit me up anytime. Yeah, all right, man. We'll talk to you later, Brian. <laughs> all right, see you. All right, love talking 49er football with Brian Peacock. Great stuff. Make sure you check out his podcast, of course, the Peacock and Williamson NFL Show, as well as the Locked On 49er podcast, giving you great stuff all throughout the NFL season. And he's right, training camp getting ready to get going. We are going to ramp this thing up and more and more statistics. I love this stuff, the stats that come out of training camp. We'll get those for Trey Lance, we'll get those for Jimmy G, and everybody will compare and contrast about which ones are meaningful and which ones may help the 49ers early on in the season. I really do think that the quarterback controversy is going to be hot and heavy pretty early on in the season. Thank you to Brian. Thank you to Brian. And thank you to you, the listener. If you're enjoying the podcast, please rate, review, and subscribe wherever it is you're listening to us. We've got plenty more coming up on Monday. Scott Osler of the San Francisco Chronicle going to join me talking about how many Bay Area teams could end up with championships in their next seasons. We're talking currently the Giants and the A's playing good baseball. The 49ers have Super Bowl or playoff aspirations this year. Don't know much about what the Sharks are thinking about doing, but also the Golden State Warriors, a couple of big draft picks next week, and we'll talk about that as well. So Scott Osler joins me Monday. Everybody enjoy the weekend. We'll talk to you then.